Welcome to the Adamantium Podcast, episode number 60. Canada Day, Adamantomaniacs. Thank you for tuning in today. Hope you all got your bacon and maple syrup in you, getting ready for some fireworks. Man, lots to celebrate today. 60 episodes, Canada Day, and the sun is shining. It's been a beautiful weekend here in Toronto. If you got out to Burles Creek on Saturday to see the Rolling Stones, I hate you, but I hope you had a fantastic time. I saw the Stones uh, myself a couple years ago, and man, they still had it, and Mick was moving around like he was 50 years younger. <laughs> um, I know he just recently had a heart operation, so I'm curious how it went, and I want to hear all about it. And if you got there, I hope you had yourself a good time. So today on the Adamantium Podcast, we're going to be sticking to that Canada Day theme because we've got comedian Brent Butt with us who, of course, is the creator and star of the iconically Canadian sitcom Corner Gas. Brent was here in Toronto recording his, actually his first stand-up special for Crave TV at the Danforth Music Hall. So I met up with Brent earlier that day to talk about his comedy stylings, his special, and of course, all things Corner Gas. The finale of Corner Gas was about 10 years ago in April, actually, and they've sent out a movie and they've launched an animated series. So today, also, on Canada Day, is also the premiere of Season 2 of Corner Gas Animated. So be sure to tune in for that tonight as well. Or stream it, whatever, uh, if you're listening to this later. And if you're listening to this podcast today on iTunes or Apple Podcasts, please do do us that favor. Hit the subscribe button. Also, if you could leave us a rating... Uh, and a comment, that would be absolutely fantastic. Improve that cloud of ours and, you know, just brings in more and more interviews to keep me nice and busy and maybe slightly overwhelmed at times. <laughs> Let's turn this little podcast that I started into something as big as we can make it, something that we've all made it together because I definitely could not do this without you guys tuning in every week. But yeah, anyways, you can also subscribe to the Adamantium Podcast on uh, Spotify, Google Play Music, Stitcher, basically anywhere that you get your podcasts. You can also follow the Adamantium Podcast on social media. We're on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. The handles are all different, but you can find us just by searching the Adamantium. And that's that. So let's introduce you to the very funny Brent Butt right here on episode number 60 of the Adamantium Podcast. And whether you're Canadian or not, have a happy Canada Day, everyone. We're here with Brent Butt. Hello. Comedian. Thank you very much again for, for taking the time out of your oh, no to, to, uh, to do my little podcast. Oh, uh, you didn't tell me it was little. I'm out of here then. Little. I thought there was a giant podcast. <laughs> I guess you could relate to that a little bit being from Saskatchewan and, uh, you know, creating a show that, that, you know, really was kind of, you know, started as a little fish in a big pond and grew to be something. Well, it kind of, right from the get-go, it was huge. It started at, you know, we were kind of thinking, wouldn't it be great if we got a quarter of a million viewers? That was our, our high watermark going into it. And then the very first episode, over a million viewers. It was a huge, right from the get-go, for whatever reason, 
and and just kind of never waned. And I think I think from what I've, I've I've heard in an interview before, I think you guys never really went below a million viewers ever. Yeah, we never had an episode of Corner Gas. 107 episodes, never, not one aired to under a million viewers. It was amazing. It's incre- it's, it's it's kind of incredible to think too. It's something that's so geo specific almost. Uh, it's the same when I watch uh, Letterkenny, and because uh, because it's really based in Ontario. And it's it's hilarious. Like I'm in tears when I watch it, but I always think I'm like, do people outside of Ontario find this funny? And and I guess there's there's places that people relate from all over the you know. Yeah, I mean, really, the show is very universal. The the stories they're not Saskatchewan storylines. They're universal storylines. I always say it's a show that happens to take place in Saskatchewan, but. Uh, the characters are kind of archetypal. Everybody knows a cranky old guy. Everybody has a friend who's kind of dopey. You're not sure why mm. you're pals with because he's always kind of dumb and causing trouble. They, these are archetypal characters. So we've had people from, we had a guy from Sweden say this is exactly like the village I grew up in. And we had a guy from New York City say this of is course. my yeah. neighborhood exactly. So there's a universality to it. Absolutely. And so then, um, you know, it was, I, it was kind of... Um, I found it very interesting when you guys decided to make the route to an animated series, and um, it was kind of really cool because it's kind of the first time something like that has really been done here, anyways that I that I know of. Um, so what what triggered it for you that made you think you know this our show can translate well into an animated series? Well, I wasn't sure whether it would or not. Okay. We we just kind of got the opportunity. Like when we did the after we did the series, six seasons, we thought, wouldn't it be great to come back and do a movie? So we mm-hmm. did that. Five years later, we came back and did a theatrical feature film, and I always thought that was kind of going to be the uh, the cherry on top. That was going to be the end of it. Mm-hmm. But the response to the movie was huge. Uh, you know, we were selling out theaters, and then when it got moved to television, it was the highest watched thing of the year, and so. The response to the movie made the network call up and say, you know, there's clearly still an appetite for this show. Would you like to do more episodes? Mm -hmm. But we didn't want to just go back and kind of do more of the same thing. Okay. But you like to have a job, right? You like to be employed. Right, of course. So we thought, well, if we were going to do something, what would we do? And I have a background in cartooning and illustrating, and so it was a pretty easy... leap to go, well, what if we tried to animate this? Okay. But then, like I said, I didn't know whether it would work or not. I didn't know if the response would be good or if it would feel right. Right. So we said, let's make a three-minute demo kind of for our eyes only. We'll, Mm -hmm. We'll look at it and see if we feel that this is something that could work. And we did that. We made that three-minute demo, and it just felt right. It felt good. It felt like it felt like Corner Gas, even right. though it was now animated instead of live action. And had the right tone and right feel, and it was funny. And there's even more more you can do with it, things that yeah. people can't act out that you can do in cartoon yeah. version. Yeah, know? because you know there's things that you can't do because of budget or logistical reasons mm-hmm. or time frame or whatever in the real in the live action version like in the in the show in the live action show we always have these fantasy sequences where you can pop out and kind of let your imagination go yes, wild yeah. but you're limited to what you can actually do so in in that three minute demo one of the things I wanted to do was to show to show what we could do in an animated world and so what we ended up doing was we, we created a scene a little pop out fantasy where Corner Gas is kind of like it's kind of like a Mad Max uh, post-apocalyptic Mad Max world where Corner Gas is now located in the middle of a desert and we have all these you know, post-apocalyptic warriors rolling over the sand dunes and these war machines 
it's something we could never have done in of the course. real world, yeah. but because we're drawing it, we're able to make it happen. And so that really showed everybody like what we would be able to do if we were to animate the show. Yeah. I didn't know you had a background in cartooning or was that something that you taught yourself or just was like a hobby or? Yeah, it's just ever since I was a little kid, I liked to draw. Uh, I was big into drawing comic book superheroes particularly, but I liked to just yeah. cartoon and goof around. And I was always drawing and doodling. And then, you know, I started making a buck at it as a teenager uh, in my hometown. I would, I would design ads and design logos and start doing graphic arts mm -hmm. for different companies and people. And then, um, you know, my goal was always to do stand-up comedy, but when I was getting ready to graduate from high school, I thought, okay, you know, the smart play would be to have a plan B. What are you going to fall back on if stand-up comedy doesn't become mm -hmm. a thing? And the only other thing I could think of doing was animation. I liked animation, and um, so I, I got accepted into the Sheridan Animation Program in Oakville, Ontario. Wow, yeah. Came out to do that and basically quit about four days into it. I quit during orientation week. Okay. I said, this is, this is really not for me, and I just got to focus on stand-up. So, but what, it's, it's what funny to find myself 30 years later right. now doing back, an back animated at show. It was funny. That was my first uh, career thought, too, was, it was to go to Sheridan for animation. Was that right? Yeah, and then I, I ended up deciding against it, too. Um, my thing was, I think when I, I went to a high school that was... Uh, had quite a good arts program, and I think it was there that I realized, as much as as good as I was, there was like those three or four kids that were just like next level. Right. And I'm like, well, those are the, probably the four kids who are going to get <laughs> the four jobs that are available. You might, uh, you're but selling you know, yourself short, man. You know what? You know, I, and I realized that later because I, you know, you realize uh, as you go through life how many open doors there are, and if not one thing, there's there's an opportunity. Yeah, you know, elsewhere. And, so and it, you know, it, animation is like a lot of things in the arts. It it doesn't necessarily have to uh, be who can do it technically the best. Right. It always comes down to idea. But you and, know, when you're a 16 year old, yeah, you're just comparing yourself to everybody else who's around you. Yeah. yeah. Um, so did you have? Uh, did you do any of the the cartoons yourself? Originally, or? Mm, originally, I sat down to design the characters with a guy uh, from Vancouver, an animator in Vancouver named Josh Mepham, and we sat down and kind of worked together to develop the look of the show. I mean, it was really him doing the heavy lifting and me kind of going, I don't know, maybe not so much this or that. Right, okay. But um, And then through season one, when we would make the animatics, like the first stage to animating is to make an animatic where mm -hmm. you kind of create a moving storyboard that is just line drawings so that the animators can see what the framing is and what the characters are right. doing. And I would do the revision art on that. So they would build the, anim the animatic, send it to me, I would uh, go through it and make whatever changes uh, I wanted to make in the animation myself. And so now in doing season two, everybody's kind of more on board and I don't have to do mm -hmm. those revisions anymore. Okay. What's, what was kind of the biggest challenge at first in translating the show to an animated? Well, the biggest challenge for me was just learning the pipeline, learning how to deliver an animated show versus a live action show. Right. You know, there was a steep learning curve. Uh, luckily, we, you know, we partnered up with a really uh, amazing studio, Smiley Guy Studios here in Toronto, and they do the actual animation. Mm -hmm. So, uh, you know, it's like anything. You, you, you surround yourself with people who know what they're doing, and mm -hmm. then all you got to do is kind of make sure everybody's pulling in the same direction and right. trying to realize the same vision. But I, I've always found that you got to rely on 
you got to rely on the talents of a lot of people. Movie and TV is, you know, my background is stand-up, which is such a solo effort, mm-hmm. and then to get into TV and film is such a team sport. Right. You, know, you got to rely on the talents and knowledge and abilities of a lot of people. Had you done any voice work before before the um, very little. Just some, yeah. I did some voiceovers for. Uh, radio commercials okay like that okay know. so was it was it interesting for you acting without physically acting yeah it was something that we kind of had to learn how to do mm-hmm. and then, but it doesn't take long for you to get into it and you know we we decided early on that the way we were going to record the the shows were to, to get the all the actors together in studio mm-hmm. and so we're actually acting with each other in the room and that helps a lot yeah and do you think that Maybe having an animated series now, you're appealing to another audience. You're bringing in another audience as well, or I hope so. I yeah. don't know if that's the case. Do you think it's? Do you think your your core is still the, the corner gas fans are still the the animated fans, or um, it seems to be like it seems that we were able to transfer a lot of the people who liked the original show over to the new show because mm-hmm. um, the response has been great, the numbers, the ratings have been amazing on on comedy. So I think we were able to deliver a show that that fans of the show liked, mm-hmm. they, and we hear that from people. We say this just feels like more corner gas episodes. Okay. Um, and season two is premiering on, on next week on Canada Day. Yeah. And first of all, congratulations. Thank you. Um, how how does how does it translate as far as do the storylines kind of parallel um, that of the original series? Is it kind of uh, you know new adventures? Is it kind of does it lead off where the ser- the uh, live action series led off? Um, well, the nice thing about Corner Gas is we always wanted it to just kind of be nebulous time wise. It was. Okay. Each episode stands alone. I always said there's never going to be any arcs on the show. There's no character arcs. There's mm-hmm. no growth. Um, each episode is going to be kind of a bottle episode. Okay. It's, it, no matter what happens in the episode, we find ourselves back to the same starting place, basically. So we carried that attitude into the animated show. So they're just standalone episodes. Uh, each, each one has its own storylines and you know character situations that they get into. But it always ends back where we were because kind of thematically I always said you know Dog River is a place that doesn't change right so it's just kind of nebulous it takes place it's contemporary I mean you know a lot of time has gone past since we first created the Mm -hmm. show like we started filming the show in 2003 right so but so you know the the new episodes take place today Mm -hmm. you know the internet is a thing and we use modern cell phones and things like that on the show so it's a contemporary show but it's still Dog River. It's right, of course. The way it always was. And the first, the first episode of the second season features Michael J. Fox. Yeah. Which is quite Fantastic exciting. Guest star. Must have, yeah, must have been a great experience working. I, I don't know if you've worked with him before or. No, I've never worked with him before. I always kind of dreamed about it. I was a big fan of mm-hmm. his. You know, I was a big fan of Family Ties when that show came on. It was one of the sitcoms that I made sure to watch every Thursday night. I just thought it was really well done and really smart and funny. And uh, you know he was the breakout star of that show. He was clearly uh, a you know an, a very talented individual, mm-hmm. and I was just always a fan. And then the movies, you know, the Back to the Future stuff and everything. So I was a big fan of his. And then I got to meet him in 2010 at the uh, Olympics in Vancouver. My wife Nancy and I watched the gold, the men's gold medal hockey game with Michael J. Fox and his mom. Oh wow! In a suite at Rogers Arena in, in Vancouver. 
And that was very surreal. And so he knew about the show. His mom was a fan of the show, and he knew who we were. So when I wrote this episode, I was able to approach him. It wasn't 100% cold. Right. He knew who we were, and he mm-hmm. knew the history of the show. And the nice thing about animation is it's so logistically easy for them to say yes. Right. Because I can just come to you with my recording right. gear, just like you've done here. Mm-hmm. And... Um, so it's easy for them. We're not trying to convince them to get on a plane and, and come, come to where we are and right. take two or three days out of their life. I can be in and out in you know a half an hour. So the role then was written actually for Michael J. Fox. Yeah, it was yeah. kind of a I was kind of a dope about it too because I had this idea for the script and we all thought it was funny in the writing room and I wrote this script about it. And then the realization, oh man, what if he says what no? if he doesn't come yeah. on board? Now yeah. now we're screwed. I got to go back and write a whole other episode. But uh, luckily, he did say uh, he did say he'd do it. Phenomenal. And there's there's a number of of, of cameos. Um, I also heard that Justin Trudeau does does yeah. a voice at one point. What was uh, what was his acting chops like? Pretty good. Not yeah. too but not too bad. And he was very uh, open to direction. That was the thing when we went into the because we recorded it in the prime minister's office, mm-hmm. which uh, is kind of cool. Also, yeah, it's yeah. kind of surreal because um, we we've had. Uh, two sitting prime ministers on the live action show. Right. Paul Martin on the live action show and we had Stephen Harper so we thought it would be fun to continue that on if we could and have uh, Justin Trudeau on the animated one. So I, we just brought the recording gear to the prime minister's office took about 25 minutes of his time but his thing was he just said you know uh, I, I want to make sure I don't screw this up so just make sure you give me direction make sure I do it right don't be afraid to uh, Tell me I'm doing it right or wrong. Mm-hmm. And does when when it comes to having cameos and stuff, do people come to you and say, "Hey, this person's interested, this person," or is it more kind of like Michael J. Fox, where you have an idea in mind and you yeah. guys kind of pitch it to them? It's better if it happens organically like that. So mm-hmm. when we're in the writing room and we're we're building stories and storylines, uh, sometimes somebody will have an idea for mm-hmm. a joke that involves uh, a cameo appearance. Right. And if we like that idea, we write it in, and then we we approach the person and see if they can come on board. But usually, it's a case of you know you create the joke and the scenario, and then if they don't come on board, you can just let it go, and, mm-hmm. the, and the script stands on its own. But this was the one with Michael J. Fox was less of a cameo and more of a, a real guest star role. Yeah. He's in three different scenes, so it was kind of it was kind of. Right, a big deal that we were actually able to get him to come on board. Yeah. So, what about the rest? Because you mentioned for people like Michael, you, you went to them, and the rest of the cast, like the the you know the the main cast, are you guys all recording together yeah. now? You guys kind of came back together. Was that tough now that it had been so many years and everyone was? No, it's really easy for us to get into these characters. We've done them uh, so much now uh, that it's we can kind of flip a switch and get into character, and we know them so well. And we know how everybody, each character reacts mm-hmm. to the other character. So it's pretty easy for, for us to put on those hats and just become those characters again. And, you know, with animation, you have the option of not doing it that way. Mm-hmm. Pardon me, not doing it that way. You, you can record everybody individually. But we really felt that part of what made Corner Gas work was... Chemistry. Yeah, yeah, that kind of magic, that lightning in a bottle that we had with these particular actors, the way that they respond to each other and react with each other, that's where the magic was. So we thought it would be smart to just get everybody into a room together and make sure that they're acting together with each other in real time. Mm-hmm. It's kind of lucky, too, because, you know, in that much time, you know, people move and people change their lives. So uh, it's good that, that everyone was able to come to come back. Yeah. 
So we have, you know, five of our cast live in Vancouver and three of our cast live in Ontario. So we, right. we, we pipe those two studios in together in real time. Okay, gotcha, gotcha. So like I said, it's, it's been 10 years since the last episode of the live action series yeah. uh, aired. Um, and I read somewhere that in Saskatchewan, April 13th is quarter gas day. Yeah. Do you guys... Provincial proclamation. Yeah. Do you guys and have... it's funny, a, too, because yeah. one of my best buddies, his birthday is April 13th. Oh, so really? So he was like, way to go. You just, yeah, you you took just my birthday from my me. Birthday. <laughs> do you guys have any traditions on corner gas day? Or did you do anything to celebrate 10 years now? Or No, we didn't really. Uh, we probably should have. We, we never thought to do that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. There's no traditions on that day. Do you guys give each other a call up or anything? Or <laughs> no, not really. <laughs> <laughs> kind of like what's what's done is done, I guess. Um, but now, um, so now you're 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 recording today. You're recording your stand-up special. Yeah. The Danforth Music Hall, great great venue. Yeah. What made you decide now was the, a good time to do this? And, and what actually kind of, what what took you so long to, to put out a special? Yeah, I just kind of always, you know, there, there's part of me that always just looked at at it as, you know, it's probably fiscally more prudent for me to hang on to that material, and okay. you know, use it as a live performer doing live shows as opposed to if you once you record something and put it out in the world, you kind of burn it a little bit. Yeah, of course. So I just kind of looked at it as a business venture, and I thought, you know, it's, it's better for me to hang on to this material. But I started thinking last year, I said, you know, I'm, I'm in my 50s now, it'd be good to get this material out, even if it's just for the sake of posterity, put it out in the world and record it, and, and you know, so people could see this it. material, yeah. this existed at one point in the world. So I started thinking about it, I said, you know, if I was going to do a special next year, where would I do it? And the Danforth Music Hall kept coming into my mind because it's such an amazing live venue mm-hmm. and I've never played there. So I thought that would be a good place to do it. But I thought, you know, it's kind of big. I don't know if I was going to promote something myself. Could I get people to come out to it? So I just kind of shelved it as I thought, it's maybe too big of a venue for me to do. And then I got a call. My booking agent got a call. Live Nation said we, we want to present Brent at the Danforth Music Hall. So I said, all right, and all right, I, Universe, I'll do it. Had you said to your agent that that's kind of like previously, um, I would kind of like to do this venue, or did it? No, it just randomly happened. Yeah, that way. so wow. as far as she was concerned, she just got an offer for an, a show at a venue, and she emailed wow. me and said, yeah, they 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 want to present you at the Danforth Music Hall. What do you think of that? The so I told her the, the story. I yeah. said, yeah, I've been thinking about that for a year. Wow, and is there? Um, as, as far as the, the special itself, is there kind of like a, is it based on a certain subject matter or? No, it's just just a dude talking, doing stand-up. It's, okay. a, it's a million different topics. Maybe not a million. That might be exaggerating. But it's, uh, I'm all over the map with what I talk about. Okay. Um, do you get, you know, now, do you get, do you still get nerves or jitters pre-show? Anything like that? Not generally speaking, I'm, I'm probably going to be uh, not so not so much nerves, but I'll I have a little more on my mind doing you know because this we're we're actually recording this show. So normally when I'm just doing a live show, you go out and it, it exists just in that moment in time, and and you just kind of have fun with it. But with this, you know, we have a film crew there, and mm-hmm. we're, there's there's a the stakes are raised a bit. Uh, yes. So I don't think I'm I don't really get nervous, but I know I'm going to be focused a bit more. Okay. On, you know, making sure I do specific material and don't forget stuff. Normally, if I'm doing a live show, it doesn't really matter. If I forget to do the bit, well, I can mm-hmm. do it tomorrow. But 
I want to make sure I hit all the things that I want to hit tonight. Do you have any pre-show traditions or anything like that? Or have a drink of rye whiskey. Okay. <laughs> Usually it's... Uh, Loosen you up a little bit? Well, it's just become, a, a, you know, it's almost a bit of a tradition now. I, I always have a, a shot of rye whiskey before I do a show. Not always, but 90% of the time. Okay. If I don't get a shot of rye whiskey, I'm fine. Okay. Are <laughs> but, you, uh, I was going to say, are you mid-show? Like, oh, I forgot to take that shot. <laughs> no, not really. Not superstitious or anything like that that no. way. But uh, I just, I enjoy, I enjoy rye whiskey. And why not? Um, and you also have your, your own podcast. I do, The Butt Pod. The Butt Pod, yes. Um, so tell us a little bit about, about it. Well, I, you know, I, I was a guest on a, a few different people's podcasts and I always have fun. You know, I like to yap. I'm a chatty guy. I enjoy the process. And so I thought, well, maybe I'll, I'll do one myself because, you know, it's... Uh, the way technology is now, it's all within our grasp pretty mm-hmm. easily to put a podcast together. So I thought I'll, I'll do one, you know, sit down with different comedians and artistic types and just shoot the breeze and try and be funny. And um, so I called it The Butt Pod because I thought that was a good name. My last name is Butt. It's a podcast. Yeah. Um, but I, I've actually had a difficult time because I travel so much and we're in production. I have a difficult time scheduling interviews for the podcast. Right. So we've done 13 episodes so far. The last one we did quite a, a few months back. It's been a while now since mm-hmm. we... But I, I started... Um, I thought it would be good to have a video component as well to it. So okay. I started a, a YouTube channel that's also called The Butt Pod. Um, and what I found was I can do a lot more on the YouTube channel that I can on the podcast. So when I travel doing stand-up, I take my camera with me, or I, uh, so sometimes it's like little vlogs from the road, a greasy comic on the road doing comedy, or I take the camera uh, behind the scenes when we're delivering the animated show, uh, take it into the recording studio and, and horse around with, yeah. the, with the cast. And So I, I've had a, a good time making it's almost these. like a behind the scenes. Yeah, like, yeah. yeah. So it's, and it's kind of whatever I decide I want to do, I can do quick and easily on my own with mm-hmm. my camera, even if I just have my phone with me. So the response to the YouTube channel has been terrific. And uh, I, I just find that I've, put, I've ended up putting more, I'm able to do more on the YouTube channel than I could than on, the on the podcast. Yeah. So yeah. And, and but what are, what are some of the um, what are some of the interviews that you've that you've really enjoyed so far? Uh, I mean, they're they're all really enjoyable because they're they're all funny, creative people that mm-hmm. I have on as guests. They uh, are they, they all are they people that you knew already? Yeah. Or, okay. Yeah. So they're all so they're basically friends already. of mine. You know. Yeah comedians that I know. They've all been comedians except for one musician, Craig Northey, who does the uh, all the music for Corner Gas. Right. Um, but he's a very funny, smart guy, so he, he was a fun interview. He was actually my, my first interview. He's the first one they sat down, episode one. Um, but yeah, the rest are all different stand-ups that I know, comedians and comedy writers. Mm-hmm. And so the, the conversations are fun and funny. They're usually about an hour long. And, yeah. Uh, you know, comedians, they, you know, they, liked, they like to talk, so yeah, I've, always, yeah, I've always enjoyed having comedians on my podcast uh, as well. Um, have you ever gotten any <laughs> any kind of response from someone listening who was like, you know, I listened and there was nothing nothing about butts on this I think we <laughs> Any kind be, of weird fetish people calling in? <laughs> we haven't had anybody reach out, but I'm sure that's happened. Yeah, yeah. I'm sure somebody has dialed up the butt pod on YouTube expecting something, something different. completely different. Yeah. And you're like, man, this guy's had his pants on the whole time. <laughs> Um, and the last thing I actually I wanted to ask you about, um, because one of my absolute favorite comedians of all time uh, was Leslie Nielsen. Oh, yeah. Uh, great Canadian comedian. Um, and I, I believe you've had a couple chances to work 
alongside him, I think, on an award show. Yeah, we did a, uh, we did a thing together in Saskatchewan's uh, 100th anniversary, the centennial celebration of Saskatchewan. It was a big uh, show, 13,000 people, and the Queen and Prince Philip were there, and, and uh, they brought back a bunch of Saskatchewan expats. Uh, so Leslie Neil- Nielsen was there, Joni Mitchell was there, and um, I did a. They they had me do a sketch on stage with Leslie Nielsen, but he was a bag of snakes. You know, he we had the script written, and then he just started going off. And, okay, and it was kind of he he. Yeah, he was a, he was a different kind of guy. He had his own sense of what was funny. Yeah. Know? So he would just go off, and, and so I was like, okay, we're going to try and make this work now in front of thirteen thousand people. I was going to say, was that something that that you were not used to, or? Well, I mean, yeah, not really. Like, I you, mean, that's always yeah. a, a sketch gets written and you rehearse it and you practice it and it's got jokes within it, and then he just went off the rails on it and started yeah. doing other stuff and then that kind of uh, leaves people in the lurch yeah you know so but uh, but yeah he was uh, he had an amazing uh, career because he started out doing just all serious stuff and yeah then, he didn't become a comedian until like very late in his career yeah Police Squad the the, the mm. six episodes of that show Police Squad that, yeah that launched the movie the Naked Gun uh, movies Naked Gun movies that show that six episode, those six episodes of Police Squad Maybe my favorite television of yeah. all time. It's hard to pick a favorite show, but those six episodes was—they just floored me. How funny yeah. they were! The Naked Gun is is my favorite comedy of yeah. all time. Yeah. You, have you ever seen the the Six Police Squad? I haven't. I actually didn't know it. It's funny because that's when I. It's funny I didn't know as soon as you said that. I was like, well, I need to now. I know what yeah. I need to watch next. I think they only did six episodes, uh, and then the network canceled it. They didn't get it. They didn't mm-hmm. understand what was happening. But it was. Yeah, it's a you know a parody of these uh, of kind of police dramas, yeah. and it's that that goofy airplane Zucker Brothers kind of um, mentality, and it worked really well as a police show. Yeah, and it's like slapstick, but also so dry at the same time. Yeah, and his timing is just unbelievable. So that's what I was. Were you able? Was there anything from that experience of working with him you were able to take away that you maybe in your own career or anything, or did you just kind of? See it as an opportunity. No, it was. I mean, a really brief exchange with him. Yeah. He were on. We were on stage together for about two and a half minutes. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Um, well, Brent, best of luck with your your show tonight. Thank you. And with the premiere, um, kind of a, a big week for it all to be yeah. <laughs> fall in the same week. A lot to think about. How stuff comes together. That's true. That's true. Well, thank you very much for doing our show. Oh, my pleasure. Nice and talking to you. Yeah. Thanks very much. Adamantium.